Welcome to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiva, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of influence with you. Every day, your gifted episodes, see what I did there, to help you become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best kept industry secrets to creating an online presence worth remembering. It's really like having a momager on speed dial. So let's dive into it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As always, I'm having in here to spill a little bit of tea about our guest before you get into the conversation. So I'd love to introduce you to Manoa Rain, who um, dropped out of college to become a creative entrepreneur, community builder, and educator. I was honored to uh, meet him through a mutual friend. Shout out Jordan. Thank you so much for making that connection. <laughs> um, Manoa's worked in weddings, fashion, music, commercials, and more, and has created content for massive brands like Grubhub, Wix.com, and National Geographic. He was also hired by international celebrity Nas Daily to design and teach a creative course to thousands around the globe. And now Manoa is focused on building his newly founded agency, The Villa, with his friends and business partners, turning his social media pages into an educational resource for creatives and business owners. I hope you enjoyed this conversation um, as much as I did and keep listening. I'm stoked to introduce you guys to Manoa Rain, who's behind... Some of the coolest content on the internet. You worked for Grubhub and Wix and big brands, but also you've done content for celebrities as well, like Jason Derulo, Nas Daily, and some other creators. So you have both brand and creator view on things. I would love to hear a little bit more about your story, and then we can talk about some things that we talked about offline, like success and myths and truths and all of that. Passing the mic over to you. All right. Well, yeah, thank you. I'm really excited to be here and uh, to talk with you. It's honestly been like a minute since I've been on a podcast and I've missed it. So I'm feeling really good right now. Um, <laughs> but yeah, my, my name is Manoa Rain. Um, I'm a creative director, lead editor, uh, and I also just started a media agency with a bunch of other guys, which we'll get to in a second. But um, yeah, I've gotten to work on incredible projects with uh building educational courses for Nas Daily and and teaching people all over the world how to make videos and photos. Um, I've gotten to work on national commercials with Grubhub and stuff that premiered in sports stadiums. Like I've been very fortunate and lucky to work on all of these big projects. But the beginning of the journey um, was a little bit a little bit sadder. Uh, You know, I, I was born in the middle of nowhere in Virginia like small mountain farm town, like I, uh, and I, and I always wanted to be a creative person. Like I, even at a young age, I was drawing and uh, making music and just experimenting, but I lived in a place where none of that was really celebrated or appreciated at all. Like, you know, small mountain farm town, you're either going to work in a factory you're going to work as a farmer or you're going to be like a cashier at like the local grocery store right Mm -hmm. um so I actually was made fun of like 
quite often in school for just being a little bit weird for for that area of the world and um and eventually you know when when you're in a small town like that and you're labeled as like the weird kid you you can't escape that that's just who you are in this place and that eventually began to escalate to where like I was being physically bullied a lot in school to the point where like I literally had bruises and bite marks and stuff because people would just I was the kid to target mm. um and you know back then I, I would say now I'm a very strong person like you can say whatever the hell you want to me it's not gonna bother me at all I'm just gonna swipe it away you know but back then that was not the case like I I was a very um shy and quiet uh I, I don't want to necessarily say weak child but that's just kind of how I see myself in in my that priv previous life or whatever you want to call it um but you know thankfully as uh my my mom started to realize what was happening and it was actually happening to her as well so she got us the heck out of there and we went to the other side of the state and that's when I had this realization of like, hey, you have this golden opportunity right here to break this mold that you've had on you for so long. And so I really focused on like reinventing myself and doubling down on the creative work and um, becoming more confident and working out at the gym. And that's kind of where I feel like I've become my my modern self right now. Mm -hmm. Um and I, we still moved to a small town in Virginia. It still, I was still kind of the weird kid, but I was also, you know, I wasn't really bullied or anything, but I was definitely to beating my, uh, my own drum. Um, and, uh, and, you know, because I think of the, uh, the bullying that I experienced with creativity, I did eventually go get to a point where I was like, maybe I shouldn't go into a creative field. Like, even though I really enjoy it, everyone's saying it's not feasible it's not possible especially in Virginia like this can't happen for people so maybe I'll become like an engineer I really like that but I had this moment in high school where my art teacher Miss Ransom shout out I always I still talk to her to this day she had this moment like where she almost grabbed me by the shoulders and she just goes Manoa do not be an engineer do not go to engineering school like go to an art school just try it out and see if it works you know at least give it a shot mm -hmm. and I was like uh I was like I don't really know like uh, and she was like listen uh the high school is doing a free field trip to James Madison University um it's a school that I went to they have good arts program just try it sign up you get to miss a day of school and go have fun yeah, I was like, great. So um, I the second I stepped on JMU's campus, I was like, this is the place for me. Um, and uh, but it wasn't. <laughs> I, I, I still was beating to, you know, the my own beat of the drum. And I realized that school wasn't really teaching me any of the things I actually needed to know. Like I already knew how to work a camera. I already knew how to, you know, set stuff up. I, I could learn that on YouTube. I was learning that on YouTube. School wasn't preparing me at all for like what the real world would be like, the business right. side of things. And um, so once I had this realization at, in college, I was like, 
I need to find a mentor. And that was the life-changing moment for me was finding this guy, Kennedy, who also went to my school. He had his own successful wedding business in Virginia. And, um, and he was only like 26 at the time, but he was flying all over the world, like going ice climbing and then going to like Spain to hang out at the beach. And I was like, how is this guy, you know, 26 years old, living in Virginia, a creator, going off and doing all these things? I have to learn from him. And um, he he took me under his wing. He was able to teach me so much and was so open about business. And that really motivated me to, to really be serious about being a, a creator and, and making videos and, and photos for people. And that was kind of the whole launch to what's been happening now, you know, and, and since then I, I've built a, a wedding business in Virginia. I moved to New York city with $200 in my bank account because I'm a risk taker and <laughs> possibly a little dumb, but it was great. Um, I worked in the music and fashion world in New York city for a while. And, uh, and then when COVID hit, um, I moved over to LA to have a little bit more nature, a little bit more, uh, transportation freedom. Yeah. Um, and that's where my career just started to skyrocket. Now I'm working on these national commercials. I'm uh, helping actually build brands instead of people telling me what to do and create for them. I'm telling brands what I'm going to make for them and how it's going to help them. Right. And now, you know, I've, I've gotten connected to amazing people and now starting this media agency um, with some super talented, like-minded creators and uh, it's been an incredible experience, which I'm sure we can dive more into. I feel like that was a very long-winded answer, but... Uh... <laughs> no, it was a good answer. I mean, it gave like a good perspective of your story, but also perfect segue into essentially the concept that like there is no universal path to success. And it took me a while to realize this as well, because I got the same piece of advice as a creator, like that's not realistic or this isn't feasible. And it's always a fucking art teacher. Okay. Cause you're saying this and I'm over here, like <laughs> art history teacher, Miss Parks, you hey. knew, you knew there was a reason why you gave me your teacher's copy of the art history book. There was a reason. Love but yeah. It's like same story. And then you start taking advice from some of these people and you're like, maybe they're right. These people have built really successful businesses. They must know what they're doing. You start taking this advice and you're like, what the literal fuck? None of this is going the way they said it was going to go. Yeah. And then you realize like, it's all a sham. There's not one universal path to achieving your dreams and doing things the way that other people have done them. There's no copy paste situation. And it seems like in reality, the most successful, specifically creatives are the ones that do what we do best. And that's go in the complete opposite direction of what's recommended. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, throughout this journey, especially living in New York and LA, I've met, you know, some wildly creative, super successful people. And I've gotten to hear all of their stories. And like you're saying, like, there really hasn't been a set path, but there have been two similarities between almost every single successful creative I've met. And one is that they just said, screw it. And they went off and did their own thing. They mm -hmm. said, I'm not going to listen to anybody. I'm going to going to trust this. I'm going to take this risk. I'm going to struggle for a while, but I know that's going to lead me to somewhere more beautiful. And um, there's also kind of a similar mindset 
that everyone has, which I would lo love to dive into at some point where um, there, one of my friends said it best. He's like, I'm excited to fail. And I uh -huh, think that's uh -huh. such a great mindset to have because, and, and that's why most people don't become successful is they're so scared of failure or they experience failure and they go, I suck. I can't do this. I failed one time. I failed five times, whatever. I'm not good enough. And they leave, but they don't understand that like failure is literally how you grow. Like right. the, if you, if you're scared of failure, you're literally not going to take a, any step forward. And so you're going to stay exactly where you are. Right. Um, easier said than done. I know, but um, th those are the very similar uh, mindsets. Every successful person I've, I've met has. I think it's also easier for us art directors or creative directors because you're pitching ideas constantly and 80% of the time, that's not good. Nope, we're not doing that. That's not what we want. No, no, no. You're constantly hearing the word no. So you're like, all right, let me pivot. At the very beginning, it's a difficult adjustment because you're like, oh, I've never been told no this many times in, in span of 20 <laughs> minutes, but <laughs> oh yeah, you just learn to not be married to any of your concepts or ideas. So I find that people that work in our fields, it's a lot easier for them to process failure mm. than it is for somebody who is not as used to rejection or being forced to pivot and experiment. But mm -hmm. I, I agree yep. with you that it's, it's just the same thing as happiness and sadness, right? You have no idea what happiness is until you experience the complete opposite. Yeah. I think with success, it's kind of the same. You fail, but that's the thing that helps you understand exactly what success feels like or looks like. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I could be wrong. Yeah, <laughs> well, I like what you said about like creators, uh, uh, the people who have been creators for a long time are so used to failure and being told that it's not good. Like, I mean, I've been doing this for 10 years. I work on national commercials with big brands. I do like really expensive high-end projects. It's never what the client wants in the beginning. Like, you know, even though I have all of this experience and knowledge and I understand the client and have worked with them for years, in the editing room, we're still making like 10 different versions of the edit until it's good to go. And you just have to accept that that's part of the process. Like right. you're you're rarely ever going to deliver something that is exactly what that person needs on the first go. There's always give and take, but that's kind of the fun of being a creator. It's like you're you're adding these tweaks and you're learning how to flow with this other person or with your client. Yeah. And um, but it's that that's all to say it's uh it's definitely frustrating when you're on revision ten. And you're just like, come on, can we just wrap this up already? <laughs> like, right, I'm... just settle. At this <laughs> point, this you guys want mediocre work anyway. Just <laughs> settle. Like, why? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think a lot of these environments like New York and LA, that everybody has this hustle culture perspective and mm. this glamorization towards what success looks like and how delusion plays a role in luck and all of that. What have you seen from your perspective, maybe some of these like myths or things that just are not true when you actually go and implement them? Yeah. Um, uh, the, the first and easiest myth is just like the overnight success, right? Like I don't think people understand like no, no successful road is an easy road. And 
you know, you, you don't have to necessarily have to have like innate talent to be successful and to be a good creator. You know, one of my favorite quotes is hard work always beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I see that in the creative industry a lot. I know a lot of talented people who, uh, just frankly aren't going to ever make it because they're not trying at all and vice versa i know people who honestly like right now aren't that great but when you talk to them you're like oh they're gonna be incredible they just need some time to like learn and, and grow and build right. that skill set and um yeah i think uh, another myth is that you know Oh, like only only one percent of people like become successful. Like you're, it's you know there's there's it's it's such a pipe dream, right? And in the beginning, I will say it will always feel that way when you're starting off. Yeah, because you're looking around and you're like, oh, I don't really know anybody else who's doing this. Like I'm kind of on my own. Oh, this is not working out well. But as you keep putting time and effort into it, you know, you realize, oh wait, there's like tens of thousands of people all around me uh especially when you go to a big city and you're and and you see that there's young people there's you know 18 year olds who are super successful making lots of money having a great time and um i think that's a a, a huge problem this is a little sidetrack but um your environment really dictates how big you can grow it's same with a fish, a lizard, and human beings. Like, if you're living in a small farm town in Virginia, like I was, the odds of you being a successful creator are way lower than if you move to New York City and LA, where there's huge communities of people uh, okay. building each other up and, and throwing each other bones and lifting each other. Um, and so, sorry, I'm a, I'm a little sidetracked now because... Uh, um, no, no, let it however you want to take it, take it. Yeah, I uh yeah, I keep wanting to throw it back to the myths, but um I I highly recommend for anyone who wants to be a creator to suck it up and just move to the city. It's scary, especially if you don't know anybody. It's a hard journey for the first few months because you have to start figuring everything out and the cities are very unique. Yeah. Um but once you find a few creative people and you all you'll all start working on projects together, you'll start uh, hanging out with other creatives and your network starts to grow and everything starts to seem more and more and more feasible. Um, just know that it takes a lot of time, no matter how successful you are, no matter how many connections you have, how talented you are. Yeah. Um, success just takes time. And that's a factor I don't think most people are willing to accept. They think if they're good, that they're good and everything will be okay. But no, right. you have to put in that work. Um, and I also think that's why most uh, people who tried the creative field just fail or just stop doing it because they haven't given it enough time. Like, to be honest, for, for me, and I consider myself to to be pretty good at, at business. Um, it took me like three or four years to have uh, of constantly like full time creative to get to a place where I was even somewhat stable. 
and then it took two more years to be like, okay, I'm completely good, making a lot of money. I, I don't have to worry anymore, right? Right. And you're like, this is great, but it took a long time. That's yeah. the other thing people don't get is a lot of the times you're comparing yourself to somebody's like chapter 10 and you're not. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. Yeah. Don't, don't compare your chapter one to someone else's chapter 10. Um, and, and, and I know it's easier said than done, but you can't compare yourself to the people you see on social media who are 16 years old, making tens millions of dollars, because um, I think it's really important to understand that um, in any factor, in any label, in any society, there are, are outliers. Statistically, there's always going to be always outliers, be, yeah. good and bad. Mm -hmm. And social media has really highlighted all of the different outliers out there and make and it makes it seem like there's just tons and tons of them all over the place like everybody everybody's making all this money and successful why why can't i do it right. well that's because they are like the one percent of the one percent of the one percent and their network and influence just makes you see them all the time and, and um, there are people who are straight up lying Yes. And um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I'll be honest, I've stretched the truth um, around to kind of help myself be put in a better position. And, and but there's definitely a lot of people who, you know, they'll they'll rent a Lamborghini in a private jet for like 30 minutes and be like, look what I'm doing, guys. And oh, 100. I cannot even begin to tell. So the time of this recording, like the past week, I have been hearing stories of somebody that I at one time knew personally who is consulting people on businesses and to find out that their entire business model is a sham and they mm -hmm. are using empowerment to market to people. And in reality, they're taking advantage of people. It's so heartbreaking to see. Mm -hmm. But also, if you think that you're going to build success based off just lies and lies alone, eventually... That's a house of cards and it oh, takes yeah. a, a couple of blows of air to disintegrate the whole thing. And it's Absolutely. just, it's wild. And now more than ever, like, because essentially every action you take is now recorded. Um, it may take a while to catch up to that person, but the second that crumbles, the likelihood that that person would be able to rebuild is so low. Because you you look them up and you're going to see all that information about them. And so, um, yeah, you 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 can't it, it may look like a good idea in the beginning, but those things always catch up, um, especially in the creative community. Because uh, it's think, small as hell. Yeah, <laughs> you, you would be so shocked how small the creative community is once you get into it. Granted, there's hundreds of thousands of us all over the place. But you'll go to a party, randomly talk to this other person who's in a cr completely different creative field, and they know like five of your friends. And you're just right. like, what the heck? Like, Or they're and, like, oh, I worked at this agency. And you're like, no way. So did I on the third floor. Oh, I was on the fifth floor. When? Yeah. On this day. Oh, no way. Same. Yeah. You overlap with so many people or they know each other. It's such a reputation-based industry and based on yeah. who you know that- you ruin a relationship with somebody or burn a bridge that's going to burn like five, six more bridges behind your back. And you have no idea. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, it's unfortunate. I've actually, I've been talking with a lot of my friends in the, in 
that are deep in the film industry and they're just so tired of that. But mm -hmm. at the same time, I'm kind of like, that's the game we signed up to play, you know, and unfortunately reputation and the connections you have do completely dictate the types of opportunities you get. Nepotism mm -hmm. is a very real thing and it always has been. And right. it sucks. I don't agree with it. I think the person who's the best should get the job, but that's just not how it works. And the, the, the easier or the quicker you can accept that, the easier your your process will go. Right. That that's all to say, like you the the connections have to be genuine. And um you can fake, you know, being genuine for a little bit, but it will catch up very quickly. And the second people discover that again, your bridges are gonna be burned. Like, you know, make genuine connections with people, be excited and interested to meet them. Offer to help them if you can, if you think you can, right. and and start to form those relationships. Because, you know, I've met people from my very first music gig that I ever did, like, eight years ago. We are still working together to this day, like, once or twice a year on, like, massive projects, you know, mm -hmm. that take months and months to develop. You never know who's going to like pop back up in your life, which is also really fun in, in this creative world. Yeah. Being open to opportunity 100% is so I... applicable here as specifically in the creative world, just because you may meet somebody and they may not be like directly applicable to whatever it is that you're building or creating at the moment, but you... People always find a way to circle back into your mm -hmm. life. And yeah, I, I would love to touch on what you said about being open to opportunity. Um, because I think a, a, a big problem um, I've experienced through my friends is they're really driven. They have a very uh, focused goal, which, you know, the drive is great, but their goal is so focused that they put these blinders on. And they're not seeing all of these these little sidesteps and opportunities they could be making in all of these other fields because they're so honed in. Yeah. And um, I think the reason for my personal success, I'm not attributing this to other people's, has been because I've had a very general goal, which has been to um, provide opportunities for creators and help them grow. Right. I don't care how I do that. I, I could, you know, actually teach people. I could build resources to help people do that. I can help creators, you know, edit their videos to make them better. Yeah. I don't care, but it's, it's, it's always giving me a general direction to move towards. So if my goal is north, if it's direct north, I can go northwest or northeast and these and get these other opportunities, but it's still taking me towards that direction. And, um, and that's really helped me make just so many different types of connections and so yeah. meet so many different types of people. And, uh, you know, again, your your network is your net worth, especially, especially, especially in the creative industry. Right. 100%. Um, one of my final questions for you, because it's kind of a big one to ask you is, do you think that you're less likely to fall for some of these like, myths about success and embrace your own journey if you truly love what you do? Or 
Do you think in the creative world, you don't really have to care about what you do to be successful? Yeah, well, I think the most important thing with that question is defining whatever success means to whoever's listening to this, because some people may see, you know, money as success, some people may see their follower count as success. Um, but I do think the uh, intention does really matter. I, I know people who make way more money than me who, you know, don't uh, always have the best intentions, and that kind of helps them out. But again, I do think that catches up to them long term. Um, when you're passionate about something, when you're when you truly believe in what you're working in and you're excited about it, you're going to go that extra mile to make it better. And you're going to you're going to feel more energized. You may be putting way more hours into it, but it won't feel like it because you're so excited and gung ho about it. But um, with that being said, I, I do think it's really important to for creators to consider uh, for their business. Your every single project you work on is is not going to be a project you're really passionate about. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I personally call it bitch work, where it's like I just need to get this work done. Like I don't care about it, but it's you know it's going to make me some money to hold me over until I can get a a great project that I'm excited about. Yeah. So I'll do the bitch work still, even even though I'm consider myself pretty successful. I still do bitch work all the time because I have to maintain relationships. I have to um make my clients happy and you know if a client asks me to do a last minute edit it's like i don't really want to do that but you know i i want to keep this relationship going right um and that gives you more opportunity and more time and resources to do the things you're really excited about in the long term yeah that's a good point the <laughs> really good term bitch work yeah and I don't know if term for it, but like <laughs> it is true you there are so many boring things especially if you're an independent creative like excel spreadsheets and tracking your finances something for me that I had to learn and took me a long time to learn it was like I can't let just like my pure passion dictate whether or not something's worth it it's like sometimes mm -hmm. there are things where you might not like having to make a 10th edit or go back and forth with like a retoucher but will that last edit take the project from this to this and then your client's happy and is that mm -hmm. more important to me than being upset that I have to communicate with the retoucher for the 15th time yeah is it annoying <laughs> but will it provide more of a return for me as a person and for the client that I'm working on this for yeah so I'd rather do that but it took a while to realize that because I don't think creatives are really taught that um yeah. it's kind of something you figure out by burning a bridge once because mm -hmm. you prioritize your passion and then you're like no never again <laughs> or you yeah. continue doing it and then you just fall off and and that's such a hard balance um I think you have to deal with your whole life it's like you know when should I say no should I you know when should I say yes and you're always worried about if you say no they may never hire you again or right. you know it's it's there's not really a right or wrong answer for that, but it is something you're you're constantly having to evaluate and question yourself on, um, which is really tiring sometimes. But yeah, uh, for sure. But it's it's you know that's the whole other part with success too is people think oh a successful creative you know if they're making you know six figures or something like they're just living the life they just get to create and have fun. It's like no, like I have huge spreadsheets of like 
factoring every little tiny thing of of how many hours and who I had to pay and all of this stuff. I have to handle finances and bills. And granted, I'm thankfully at a point now where I can delegate that to somebody else. But in the beginning, like you have to do that. And I highly suggest if you're just starting off to start doing that as soon as possible, like build, build the, the finance sheets and everything into your routine as soon as possible, because trying to figure that stuff out in the middle of the journey is just way harder. And it feels like way more of a headache, but there's so many good things that come from it. Like with my sheet, um, I'm able to see on a project. Uh, how much money I'm making per hour on it. And that tells me, oh, well, you know, weddings, I make, you know, X amount of money per hour, which is incredible. But when I work on this specific type of commercial, I'm making way, way less for the same amount of time. So maybe I shouldn't do those commercials anymore mm. if I want to save some more time for myself. Um, That's and- a really good Tip. I mean, opportunity cost is so important. If you don't know what that is, it's basically, um, you know, how much use do you get out of something versus how much do you pay for it? Or yeah. how much does this save you time versus how much you pay for it? For example, um, I don't go to the store ever, like mm-hmm. ever, ever. I get everything delivered to me, my groceries and everything. And yeah, I have to pay, you know, maybe an extra 10 to $15 to tip and pay for that service, but I'm saving like literally hundreds of hours a year, hundreds of my hours a year paying maybe an extra $500 a year. That's totally worth it to me. Like that allows me to make thousands of dollars per hour, you know, that I'm saving, um, and uh, and same with delegating work. Like th- this is another side note. Um, I think a lot of people are scared to delegate work, but it's really easy to build a business that way. Like you you build a wedding company yourself. You start getting a few clients. Well, you get to a point where you're just like, oh, I know this other wedding videographer who's just as good as me, if not better. I can just hire them to do the work. And yeah, I'm not making the the you know thousands of dollars I would have made on my own, but I get to make maybe a thousand dollars for doing essentially nothing besides maybe talking to the client once. You know, there's risks for that too because you are putting like your name on the line. But if you have a relationship with you know a good person that can help you out with that, go for it. I mean, I rather I would like to make a thousand dollars doing nothing. Like that sounds great to me. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. This is such like a good note to leave the conversation on. And you've given so much advice to anybody listening, especially who wants to enter the creative industry as independent or freelancer. I just appreciate all of your expertise and your time. Yeah, thank you so much. I hope we can do this again. It felt like I've only been here for like 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Means it was a good conversation then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, thank you so much for the opportunity. And uh, if you're listening to this, just keep moving, keep um, working hard and just know that it takes time. Always takes time. You got this. Thanks for tuning in to Kindly Gifted. To support the podcast, please leave a review, share with your friends, and don't forget to subscribe. 
Make sure you follow me on TikTok at Kate Mob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager. See you on the next episode of Kindly Gifted.